Namaskar and welcome to Weekly Global Insights, episode 323. Because of a technical difficulty, my video is not working, but my audio is working fine. We regret the technical disturbance. A shout out to our viewers to like this program so it can reach its maximum potential. Today is Friday, the 18th of March, and here are the main points. Russia, Ukraine, Europe developments. Russia says it has organized two payments on its debt obligations, avoiding the default scenario. No formal confirmation from the recipients yet. Russia starts to seize leased planes that are foreign-owned. Putin says that Russia has withstood sanctions and people must prepare for inflation and unemployment. Sridharji, Namaskar and welcome to Figuru's channel. Regret that this delay, sir. No problem. Good morning, uh, Sriji, and good morning to everybody. Uh, but I'm glad that uh, you know our program is getting underway. Uh, so, uh, your thoughts on what is happening in Russia and Ukraine, sir? They barely avoided default, but the recipients haven't still confirmed that they have got the payments from Russia. Yeah, I think that the, the first and foremost is that there, there appears to be a payment. Uh, there's a lot of um, uncertainty around uh, what exactly was paid, but there is almost certainty around that they appear to have, uh, you know, escaped uh, the, the default situation. Uh, that's the that's the good news, uh, you know, to the markets. Uh, as far as the uh, uh, the uh, the local economic situation is concerned, as uh, Vladimir Putin himself has stated in his address to the nation, which is namely that you know they are in for hot times. Uh, inflation is going to be high. Uh, ruble has been depreciated significantly, and there's also an exodus of companies. As a result, there is uh, a looming unemployment, but the government and the nation will prevail. That seems to be the message to the Russian people. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's uh, still very belligerent uh, and, uh, you know, very clear in terms of what he wants in his address to the global leaders. And Putin speaks with his Turkish counterpart Erdogan and desires a direct meeting with Zelensky for a peaceful resolution to the war. Ukraine stands firm on the border agreed in 1991 post the collapse of former Soviet Union, and that includes Crimea and eastern provinces. In other words, Ukraine seems to be hardening its stand. Russian missiles strike western Ukrainian city of Lviv, L-V-I-V, in the early hours of Friday. Sridharji, this is now, the, for the most part, it was from the south and from the east of Ukraine. Now, the theater of operations seems to have widened. Well, clearly, I think that uh, he's expanding um, and he's also bringing an element of surprise because in the traditional airspace, he seems to have uh, uh, the anti-aircraft uh, equipment that uh, now is in possession of Ukraine seems to be working. So he's targeting areas which is available to him, which also uh, gives him the element of surprises. Naturally, uh, there is an element of frustration in terms of the lack of progress. So he needs to show progress and uh, which is what you are witnessing uh, with the most recent attack in Lviv, uh, which is apparently a military base or military air training facility uh, in the western side of Ukraine. There's very uh, interesting development within the context of Shriji. And German newspaper Bild has reported that Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov plane returned to Russia while on a flight to China. It is unclear whether Chinese officials refused to meet Lavrov or if Russian president ordered his return. This is really, really strange. Russia vetoes UN resolution on humanitarian crisis, 
reflecting the irrelevance of UN to discuss major global issues. Let's first take a look at the Russian foreign minister's flight to China. That was supposed to have taken place, I suppose, before ahead of the Biden Xi meeting, right? And now he has turned back. Well, I think there are two uh, significant messages. One, uh, the meeting between Jack Sullivan and the Chinese officials that took place in Rome, where I think a clear message appears to have been delivered. There's also been a precursor to that uh, with Antony Blinken and his counterpart in China, uh, making it very clear that any Chinese actions uh, you know, would, uh, would be construed as against the international norms and will be held against China. Uh, now, it's not a, this is U.S. position. The question is whether the Chinese uh, are willing to listen to it is an entirely different matter. But the fact that Lavrov's plane did not land and uh, or did not reach um, uh, Beijing uh, returned, uh, whether it is at the request of Mr. Putin or whether it is at the request of uh, whether because the Chinese officials uh, did not uh, accede to the request uh, remains a mystery. But the way this morning, as I came, we came into the show, that Lavrov is reacting. Uh, he's clearly frustrated man. Uh, one of his uh, most ex uh, you know profound statements is that uh, the 1991 Soviet Union uh, separation or the border rebordering uh, is over. If the West still is persuading the path, then they are in the path of delusion. Uh, that's one statement. The other statement that has come out from him is that uh, United States and the and the West can no longer act as the Sharif and behave accordingly. It's a new world order that we are living in, uh, and there's a new set of rules. Now, this is what uh, Lavrov is saying. Now, just to go back to the earlier point, apparently eight conditions or eight points were laid out by Vladimir Putin to uh, Mr. Erdogan as a precondition or as a condition for uh, the, uh, the termination of the war. I just don't know whether uh, Zelensky or the West is going to agree to any, you know, to some of the conditions. Conditions include Crimea, they may. Uh, Eastern provinces being, uh, you know, given the independence of the sovereignty. Uh, making Russian language as one of the uh, important languages not to be replaced within the constitution. Uh, then, of course, they call it as the denazification uh, of Ukraine. Uh, never to fight, never to join uh, NATO, uh, never to be a security threat, etc. So I think some of these things is not going to fly. Uh, Ukraine is a sovereign nation. Perhaps uh, somebody has to remind Vladimir Putin equally that the West has no interest in going back to the reassembling of the old Soviet Union and the old, uh, you know, communistic uh, method of uh, forming these federations. So I think this is now getting into, I believe, a very aggressive stage. What happens today, I think in shortly, maybe the meeting has just started uh, between Mr. Biden and uh, Mr. Xi Jinping, will set the context for uh, what is to come. Mr. Putin has also spoken with Scholes, the German ch uh, chancellor, and has made it very clear that it is Ukraine which is, which is uh, walking away from his proposals, not him. But I think Scholes must have told him, uh, I'm sorry, uh, you know, there has to be a win-win for, and this war has to be terminated. There has to be a win-win situation. You concede some and, you know, Zelensky concede some and we move forward. So I think we are now getting into, I believe the next week is going to be a very crucial week in terms of how this thing is going to shape out, Sriji. 
Um, Sridhar ji, I read somewhere that a British minister has said that the Russian offensive appears to be stalled completely on all the fronts. And uh, Putin, on the contrary, says that Russia has the might to put enemies in their places and reject the U.S. war crime allegations. Looking at all this stuff, um, how far do you think uh, Putin can last out? People are saying that he's days away from default. He appears to have made some payments. And now he's asking China to help out in aid as well as in arms. And I think that's what Biden is trying to cut off, isn't it? I think Biden is trying to cut off three important aspects. One is explicit support of the Chinese to the continued uh, persecution of the war. I think that's the first and foremost request. Please come out and say explicitly it's time that uh, Russia uh, walks out of Ukraine and stops the war and comes to a negotiated settlement. Lo and behold, having said that, uh, one of the two judges who uh, dissented the ICJ ruling on this dissolution of the war was a Chinese uh, judge in the ICJ panel. I think the second, which is far more important, is Russia is running out of uh, liquidity. So credit supply is what they're looking for. So that's the second thing that uh, China, uh, Biden will be telling China not to provide that liquidity. I think the third is apparently the military supplies uh, are running out. Uh, whatever the, uh, I know I've seen some of the comments of uh, very harsh, uh, you know, uh, comments around uh, what we call, what they call us as, uh, you know, the Western uh, message. But the fact is that, you know, this is supposed to be the world's most powerful army. Ukraine was a sub-territory within the Russian Federation. After four to four and a half weeks of the war, Russia has shown nothing by way of except, you know, attacking various sets of facilities. You know, because it's uh, Obama and Biden turned a blind eye, the Crimea remained in his position up until now. He kept quiet for four years during uh, 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 Mr. President Trump's tenure. He has come with his guns uh, blazing. It's not that this NATO membership was not in question at that point of time. It is not that the EU membership of Ukraine was not in consideration at that point of time. It was not that the security issues did not flare up at that point of time. It's not that the Eastern nations uh, tried to create a security umbrella around uh, you know, Poland and the Baltic states. But lo and behold, now today it is a big issue for uh, Mr. Vladimir Putin and uh, he has launched this war. So, so to me, uh, Sriji, that what the British are saying or the British intelligence are saying appears to be true, though we don't have, you know, this is the fog of war, that Russia has not made any significant progress in prosecuting a specific war. They probably underestimated the tenacity of the resistance that is coming from the Ukrainians. Excuse me. Ukraine asks Japan for satellite data amid Russian invasion. <coughs> Excuse me. Satellites operated by commercial operators and Japanese government must approve this. And Britain is going to deploy, detect and destroy Sky Saber missile defense system in Poland. So even as people are supplying arms and ammunition to Ukraine, they're also fortifying some of the Eastern Bloc nations that are NATO, NATO members, isn't it, Sridharji? It is, it is. Uh, <laughs> the, the Eastern nations, which are NATO members, 
are being strengthened. They are being given uh, not only uh, the um, the what you call surveillance as well as uh, as uh, Britain Britain calls it as uh, detect and uh, uh, blast. Uh, there is also a um, new set of equipment that is being contemplated uh, from uh, providing a shield uh, to the Baltic states from any aerial missiles, whether it is uh, cruise missiles or whether from air-launched missiles, uh, there's, uh, there's protection being contemplated. Remember, we mentioned to you that the NATO has activated the response force. The exact moves of uh, Putin are unpredictable. He is threatening a number of nations. Uh, whether he is going to move to Georgia, whether he is going to move to, uh, you know, Sweden, whether he is going to threaten Finland, whether he is going to go uh, to Moldova, there is a tremendous amount of uncertainty around what exactly his actions are uh, that he is contemplating. Sanctions continue with Japan, Australia and Britain imposing more sanctions on institutions and individuals. South Africa becomes one of the first nations to come forward and support Russian action with a statement from its president. Uganda says it supports Chinese model of diplomacy than the Western model. So this is all basically drumming up support, isn't it? It is. I think uh, if you recall, we discussed it perhaps offline. There seems to be some undercurrent of BRICS here. Uh, if you take a look at Brazil, Brazil was critical, notwithstanding supporting the resolution. Uh, Russia is at the centerpiece. Um, India has abstained uh, from and was uh, uh, you know, the path of diplomacy. And uh, South Africa, Cyril Ramposa has come in the open and said, I don't accept the uh, Western NATO's approach. Uh, Russia is under threat. So, you know, what Russia is doing uh, is the correct thing. So you are seeing the first set of African nations come out of the block. You know, everybody knows <clears throat> Uganda has a very strong relationship. Many of the generals of the Uganda are trained in the Chinese military academy. Uh, so you have Uganda coming to the forefront and saying it believes in the Chinese model. Uh, so is there some kind of little political uh, upmanship going on between uh, China and Russia as well, which uh, China is trying to persuade Russia to say, hey, you follow me, my model, then I'll support you rather than uh, your own. So there's interesting political developments and side plays that are going on for these things to be uh, making mainstream headlines, Shriji. And uh, viewers, if you want to know more about how African dictators children have studied in china and what happens uh, there was an episode with elmer yuan that talks about it in some detail so i encourage you to take a look at that in u.s news scandals galore with billions and billions of dollars in bogus payments feds have just recovered less than one percent of 163 billion bogus unemployment benefit payments as a matter of fact Sridharji, i want to go on record here saying that you know some of the uh, stimulus checks have not come to me and and the, the government keeps writing to me saying that you haven't encashed your check and then you know it, if i don't get the card how can i encash it but they keep telling me that you you should have received it so it's one of those things where i can see it but i can't touch it well i think this is uh, whenever you have extraordinary flow of cash dispersed from a government agency, doesn't matter which government it is, 
as sophisticated our United States or as less sophisticated as some of the uh, less developed nations' governments. There is bound to be rampant corruption, and there's no different in United States. We did close to $6 trillion of disbursements. You know, $150 billion is a drop in the ocean. I have no idea how, I mean, officially we have reported the amount of money that has left United States under the pretext of COVID, even to fund some of the foreign countries and their own respective programs, uh, ethical or otherwise. So the $150 billion of unemployment benefits, you know, how do you distribute unemployment benefits and to whom to it has gone uh, when it has not been accounted properly, you can see. By the way, there is also the House had passed uh, a request and resolution from the new border czar to report on what the hell is going on is yet to come. And in the meanwhile, we are completely distracted by the Russia-Ukraine situation. Sir, the progressives are making noise again. They have submitted a list of demands for executive order actions by Biden, including combating climate crisis, racial justice, and so on. There is a separate discourse being run by the same progressives on illegal immigration matters, including detention, deportation, deportation and fast-tracking. More interestingly, message news coming down the pipeline that Mr. Ro Khanna thinks he can run for president. Well, Rokana is a very smart man. He's from California. He's got plenty of access to yes, sir, sir, sir. Smartness and being California are not mutually exclusive, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just making an observation. So my observation there is, so which is namely, you know, it's from California. California has liberal intellectuals. Um, you know, it has powered the um, U.S. economy. The top five, top four uh, companies by market cap are from California. So you have to give it to the Californians, Sriji, in terms of what they have done in the last 10, 20 years. Um, okay, as, as far as Rokana is concerned, of course, he has always entertained and he wanted to be an aspirant, was disappointed probably he wasn't one of the vice presidential nominees. Um, of course, you know him too, and uh, we all know him. And, you know, he's uh, quite eloquent in terms of his engagement in the skills. Now, as far as these uh, uh, progressives are concerned, they are slighted. I think we are covering tomorrow the U.S. budget where we will look at some of the numbers. Uh, obviously, the uh, $1.5 trillion stimulus, which we touched on in the on Wednesday show, did not have anything for the climate. So they're a little bit upset. Uh, it didn't have much for their uh, social welfare programs. They're a bit upset. Um, and they're also upset that, um, that the um, uh, normalization or the fast tracking of the illegal immigrants has not happened. Uh, they're also upset that some of the social welfare benefit programs have not been accommodated uh, in this new budget or the additional uh, stimulus that went in uh, just recently. And House votes to seize all trade relations with Russia and most favored nation status. U.S. Defense Secretary rejects Ukraine request for a no-fly zone. Now, this is again a sticking point. I think if they implement and uh, if we enforce a no-fly zone, that automatically means that the NATO countries are in war uh, at war with Russia, isn't it, Sridharji? It is. I think that uh, basically the no-fly zone implies that uh, you are getting into war, uh, and usually, I mean, whether people accept it or not, they try to get a UN resolution, and uh, you know, usually Russia or China, they don't veto; they abstain. So when you abstain, not veto, the resolution gets passed. That's how the no-fly zones were imp implemented in Iraq 
and no-fly zones were implemented in parts of southern Syria uh, during the war. So in this instance, uh, you know, this is not a declared war. This is uh, uh, an illegal occupation which resulted into a war. Uh, you know, Ms. Ukraine can start, uh, you know, shout from top of the uh, top of the world, but you know, the world is not going to exceed. So they're trying to get as much as possible equipment, aid, and other kind of relief so that they can self-defend themselves and uh, the world condemning the actions. But beyond that, you are not going to see either West or uh, NATO, uh, which includes uh, NATO is considered as part of the West. Uh, is uh, interfering and getting into the act of war, uh, Sriji. And in Asia news, South Korea daily COVID cases hit a record of over 600,000 as South Korea total cases crossed 8.25 million and Vietnam at 6.82 million. China begins to lift lockdown in Shenzhen. That's perhaps one of the best news that I can think of because this is the new variant, uh, Delta Crohn or something like that, Delta Crohn. Delta Crown, yeah. So go ahead, sir. Um, so suddenly now South Korea and Vietnam are finding uh, a surge. How how does one correlate these things as to how the waves happen, sir? No, there's only one reason. Uh, there's uh, there's only there are only two reasons. One is uh, there is very uh, there has not been for complete shutdown of factories in in Vietnam. Vietnam is densely, uh, you know, populated with uh, industrial houses, which creates the room for the spread of the virus. As far as Korea is concerned, it is more, um, they believe, the influx of um, the tourists. Uh, they have not fully banned uh, or uh, they, you know, I don't know how the enforcement is happening in terms of um, managing, uh, monitoring, as well as um, you know, controlling the, uh, the 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 COVID streams. But having said that, every country which has seen has seen this abnormal, uh, you know, uh, blips in the uh, in the uh, in the cases. So all you can say is that uh, they were caught, uh, you know, off guard, and suddenly the cases has risen in Korea. That can be the uh, uh, the only uh, explanation, plausible explanation that can be given. Is Korea was not one of the countries uh, in the initial first two waves impacted. Same with Vietnam, but you're beginning to see that most of the Asian countries seems to have contained. And again, China, you saw this spurt. They attributed that to the tourists coming from uh, Hong Kong, because Hong Kong have had a high incidence of uh, uh, the COVID cases. It's conceivable that probably is very similar in Korea as well. There is also a growing chorus among Asian analysts that China must drop Russia now and align with the world order. Chinese and Russian judge dissented ICJ against the Russian invasion ruling. We talked about this. China to pay costs if it aids Russia. U.S. Secretary of State Blinken tells his Chinese counterpart. And as we talked about it, Xi and Biden are going to be meeting as you know as we speak. Perhaps the meeting has started. We have to wait and see how that plays out. Chinese carrier sails through Taiwan Strait hours before the Xi Biden call, clearly sending a message. So, what is China trying to do? Being the next Russia, Sridhar Ji? Uh, I think that uh, basically Xi Jinping is telling Mr. Biden, uh, you are not the sheriff here in town. Okay. I'm here to listen to you as a courtesy, but 
you know, I will make my decision as I feel appropriate. I think that's the message. Uh, and he's also probably telling, he's going to tell Biden, don't try and play the same game that you have played in Ukraine because Taiwan is very different. Uh, in Russia, Russia is saying Ukraine was an injustice done by West in 1991, 1994, whereas Ukraine is the one which goes back uh, in time. So Ukraine was always, sorry, um, Taiwan was always part of uh, China. So you're going to have this very interesting discussion. But having said that, there are there is a growing set of uh, voices in, notably in Asia, intellectuals which are telling that China must step back. Uh, you know, China is much more a formidable economy as well as it is viewed as the next superpower. And they would like to see a China emerge as a responsible superpower and not take antagonistic positions by virtue of, you know, a vast and expansive ecosystem, uh, both on the imports and export side that China is part of, unlike Russia. That is the message. And China may be, uh, you know, thinking about that rather than uh, any perceptive threat from uh, Mr. Biden, uh, Shinji from the United States. And Japan is working towards 6G lead with global standards backed by NEC, Toyota and other firms. Shenzhen overtakes New York as the home for the most number of billionaires. And in India news, India will always stand with Sri Lanka, asserts PM Modi to Sri Lanka Finance Minister Basil Rajapaksha after signing the much needed 1 billion credit package. I think the relations between India and Sri Lanka are on the mend, would you say? I would say completely plus. I think that this $1 billion, they started with some $100 million or so, but I think they've made their way. It's $1 billion. Uh, their foreign exchange reserves are depleted. I think it's less than one week uh, in terms of their ability to meet their import bills. India has not only extended uh, this $1 billion credit line, but has also offered to support them in the event of an adversity. And they will be probably providing uh, you know, some kind of correlatory support as uh, Sri Lanka negotiates with IMF uh, to augment a credit package further to what India has proposed. Clearly, I think that uh, this is one of the strategic moves that India has made. Uh, so it's got Sri Lanka, it's got Maldives. Now it needs to slowly bring uh, you know, some of the other nations into the neighborhood, into its fold. And India's merchandise exports is at 300 billion as of March 14 and will cross 400 billion, tells India's Commerce Minister Piyush Goyal for fiscal year 2022. Reliance Industries is likely to avoid purchasing Russian fuels due to Western sanctions on Moscow. Reliance has acquired Ural's crude straight-run oil fuel from Russia. We just want to understand this, sir. How is Ural's okay and Russia not okay? No, actually, there is uh, an energy uh, company called Vitol, um, which sources oil from 50 different nations. Uh, they are a global entity, um, and they are not sourcing. They have not sourced this post sanctions. This is all bought earlier, and these are the supplies that are being received. Um, it uh, Vital sources from a number of. Uh, you know, uh, countries, they have a range of capabilities um, in various locations from refining to storage to logistics to shipping 
etc uh, and they are also one of the large traders so the this uh, ural oil which is very similar to brent and wti uh, west texas uh, intermediate is um, a crude as an oil that is sourced from the volga western region of russia uh, and uh, the uh, um, the siberian region and it has both a blend of uh, what you call as a heavy oil and a light oil and it requires refining very similar to uh, the wti or the brent crude except that if you have a very good refining capacity then you can acquire it at a lower cost refine it and uh, you will your cost effective cost of uh, uh, processed oil fuel is much cheaper than what you buy the pure grade crude from the markets so what india has acquired and is from uh, vital first indian oil i think and then the second now uh, hindustan the next uh, petroleum company seems to have acquired uh, and it's available at a cheaper price so they have not violated and beaten the sanctions and this is the little technical thing which is why jen pesaki mentioned you no know, india has not violated any specific sanctions so therefore i think this is the context behind this acquisition as far as the uh, reliance is concerned reliance has you know is a global player they have they process and refine a huge amount of uh, us crude uh, especially the brent uh, and uh, they not only export it back to united states but it is extensively used within india again this is a data point which people uh, forget that the amount of india is the second largest uh you know a buyer of um, uh, the the us crude at about 8 billion dollars 14 billion dollars worth of crude is obtained from iraq iraq is number one united states is number two and pm modi called south korean president yoon sok yeol on thursday to discuss bilateral areas of cooperation and further deepen the strategic partnership india south korea bilateral trade is at 12 billion and both nations are, nations are working towards a target of 50 billion by 2030 i mean that's a steep target sir 8 billion uh, no 38 billion in next 8 years uh, i think what india is looking for is um, these new corridors and you will begin to see three specific areas of uh, development one is the broader consumer electronics where you are going to find many things manufactured by samsung therefore korea in uh, in in india they are also going to expand their steel and mining operations if you remember that last 20 30 years uh, posco has had footprint but they've had a number of challenges and i think the third area you are going to see is Uh, the korean footprint in the semiconductor industry so india has big aspirations in semiconductor you may see uh, korea playing a part plus korea is not a big foreign direct investor into the industrial complexes or the ecosystem startup ecosystem of india so that's another area which they are looking at in terms of bilateral cooperation Kishida arrives in India on Saturday for bilateral meetings with PM Modi and as quad partners to discuss Ukraine. Japan has been far more stringent on its sanctions. 
India Japan bilateral trade is at 20 billion and Japan is the 12th largest trading partner and the fourth largest investor in India. Sridharji, this is good news that, uh, you know, Japan is also, uh, you know, looking at India much more closely. For instance, I think the bullet train was almost completely uh, funded by Japan. Yeah, between Ahmedabad and Mumbai. Yes, the bullet train project was funded, but everybody forgets that when Modiji launched the national infrastructure project, almost close to somewhere between 400 to 500 billion dollars of long-term credit for the infrastructure project was given by Japan. Uh, you know, Japan was it grows at less than one percent. Uh, in fact. It's probably in some instances, it from some quarters, it's also negative. So just at 1% that uh, of 1% uh, credit yield has enormous impact on uh, the Japanese GDP. So Japan is willing to provide huge amount of concessional long-term credits with guaranteed payments to India. So you may see Japanese footprint not only in the infrastructure, which is going to be one of the big growing domains, but also some of the uh, MSME segments. Uh, and in, and I think we covered this in one of the Global Insights, uh, if I remember correctly, that uh, either, uh, uh, you know, the manufacturer, sorry, um, the one of the Japanese banks uh, has invested $400 million uh, in the startup ecosystem. Japan is investing a lot of money in India's startup ecosystem. That's where the fourth number, the number four ranking comes from. And UK Foreign Secretary Elizabeth Truss will visit India later this month to hold discussions with India on bilateral partnerships and the Russia-Ukraine war. So Dominic is gone. Now this is a new foreign minister, for, uh, isn't it, sir? Yeah, she was in EU. Uh, she is a very uh, um, aggressive as well as, uh, um, you know, uh, with a lot of forethought and vision. So I think it's going to be very interesting. And it's a tough negotiator. She was one of the Brexit negotiators. So it's going to be very interesting. She's coming down not only to discuss the FTA, but I believe uh, very much the Ukraine-Russia uh, is going to be on the top of the agenda if it is not resolved by then. And in the markets, the S&P futures fall slightly as markets try to finish the best week since November 2020, oil surges with fears of fresh shortages as Brent drops 109 and inching higher and nickel prices drop 12% in global markets. I want to touch upon the nickel prices. This was supposed to be an export from Russia. Uh, has the world found a new source, sir? I think what you're seeing is that the world is accepting that it must shift to an alternate. So when there is a sudden dip in the demand, the prices come down. That's one. The second is there are always players in the market who are going to short the prices, especially when you are in the middle of the sanctions. I'm not suggesting that is the case, but that could very, that could that may very well be one of the reasons why you are you seeing the price dip. But there is very clear recalibration uh, that is going on, recognizing that these sanctions are long-term implications for Russia, which they have not clearly understood as yet. Thank you very much, Sridharji. Viewers, I've been looking at the number of people who are subscribers who are watching our programs. And interestingly, it is one is to one. That means 
every other watcher of YouTube videos and P gurus is not a subscriber, which means that if some of you jump and become subscribers, there is no reason why we can't scale the 250,000 mark. That's a big landmark and we would love for you to be subscribers. So you don't have to come seeking new videos from us. The, the notification will come to you. So hopefully you'll consider subscribing to our channel and, and moving us, propelling us forward. Uh, please like, share and subscribe to our channel again and send the uh, link to your family and friends. We are working very hard to bring you latest news, a 360 degree, 360 degree view of the world. And also don't forget to click on the bell button. Sridharji, have a great weekend. We'll again talk tomorrow. We'll have one segment tomorrow and uh, one more perhaps a little bit later. Uh, and uh, uh, back again um, next Monday for the Global Insights, sir. Thank you. Uh, have a good weekend. And uh, we'll see you on the two short episodes that we would be covering during the course of the weekend. Thank you very much, sir.